Welcome back to the second episode of Tip It Out Golf Podcast. I'm your, I'm here, Mac Melvich. How you doing? We got Evan Farrar in the studio. How we doing tonight? What's up, brother? Good to be here. Ah, glad to have you back. And, and of course, the one and only Ben Fultz. How we doing? Wonderful. How are you? Ah, not too bad. As I've as I've already said. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my god, this weekend for golf was phenomenal. Bay Hill delivered again. Is awesome. Per usual. Can always count Top on course. it. So. Absolutely. Jumbled up leaderboard. What more can you ask for? And they were there. That course was playing hard. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure it'll show up in our birdies and bogeys, our, you know, hot seat, cold seat, our good and bad for the week. How about uh, I'll, I'll get us started here. Um, oh, yeah. And for my, my birdie, my birdie this week, um, it's it's kind of a weird one. I really wanted to do this. Uh, it, it is fake, confirmed. Confirmed fake, but it's still funny nonetheless. We got the Scotty Scheffler club dinner invite. <laughs> and at the bottom, for those who can't see it, it says, live guys kindly meet on the ninth green at 9 p.m. And I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I was I was just a fan of that one. That's great. That is great. Um, And then for my, my, uh, my birdie or bogey, bogey this week, um, the CW numbers came out from Liv, and uh, what is it? The world's funniest animals beat it in rank uh, viewers by uh, two and a, two and a half times the Liv golf numbers. I Grant, did see they're, that. They're still yeah. young, but man, oh man, that's <laughs> yeah. tough. That's it's it's not looking good for those those guys over at CW. I mean, I would prefer to turn tune in to the animal show probably more than live oh, unless yeah unless something crazy yeah. was going on but <laughs> i did notice that their numbers were absolutely horrendous it was um, granted they're young but usually you expect more out of the first view you know right? here, here's another stat for you there uh so the honda classic last what week ago was at like three hundred twenty-eight thousand viewers or something which is not the main guys in the pj tours field I mean, the live tour was at like two hundred and fifty thousand, so they had them yeah. beat by seventy thousand viewers or so. And the, and, and the live guys, look at that! All those top yeah. fifty players, right? Right, and I mean, I think it was more than that. that. That seems low. That seems low. No, yeah, I think I think Honda was almost at like two million on Sunday. Or yeah, like I was thinking. I was yeah. thinking they like ten x viewership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off of either that. way, either way, the, the this a, week. a an undesignated event. The PGA Tour had way more viewers than the Live, so yeah, that is a, that is a that is a big time bogey, but kind of not a sustainable business model at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's still, 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 definitely not profitable. Greg Norman is Greg Norman is shaking in his boots. <laughs> <laughs> he won't show that though. All right. uh, I'll I'll go next. So my I picked two players this time for my my bogey and birdie plays here. So for my bogey play. I'm a little bearish on Rom. Rom did not perform at this tournament. Um, granted, I will say that the course doesn't really fit his game very well. Um, you know, he's playing that high power cut, and it just it was breezy, and he was really struggling out there to keep it in these tight fairways. Um, so, but the other thing is, my 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 main reason for being bearish on Rom is he's been at the top for a really long time. He's been playing some unbelievable golf, which is a testament to what he could do in the future. But I think, you know, once you're at the top, you can really only go downhill from there. So this was a little, little, 
you know, a little a uh, little hiccup in his in his yeah. current path. So I don't I'm think hitting fifty yards left, like wide open stance, and then hitting a fucking yeah. push cut is a sustainable mm-hmm. golf swing. I mean, like John Rahm's obviously on a heater like that we haven't seen in since Tiger, but uh, yep. wow, I cannot believe how open he was. It just yeah, yeah it just it goes to show my mind. it like that cut is like it's a controllable shot, but when that wind picks up and it's so penal in the in the rough. That like at Bay Hill, I mean, it's it's tough to uh, yeah play well, and and like Fold said too, I think it's just a hiccup. I think it's just a little chick in the armor, just showing he yep. is still human. But I mean, he's gonna bounce back for sure. I, I'd have to, yeah. Agree. But that was definitely a bogey play, just because oh, you know how he's been doing. So it was a little little hiccup in the in the road there, uh, kind of tough. So my birdie play then was Jordan Spieth. I'm a big Jordan Spieth fan. Uh, he played super well. He hasn't really been on any of these these big time leaderboards in a little bit, so it was nice to see him back at the top in contention. Uh, I yeah. think it's hilarious that even if he's at the top of the leaderboard, he'll still complain about every single shot. Um, absolutely love that. He's my guy for that. I do the same thing when I'm out there on the course. So you know, we're all human. Uh, I've seen you all, blow a gasket at a ten foot putt. We we all make the same mistakes. So it's funny yeah. to see how he reacts to him, though. But um, yeah, he was on a big, big time birdie play. Yeah, he was on a heater early, like four. God, he was four for five holes, something like that. I mean, he was hot. He was four under through five or something like that. Yeah, and then he yeah, and then he just missed like five six footers that like like four mm-hmm. to like six footers, and that, that that just seems like his kryptonite for like I don't know the past eight years and since yeah. the last time he was like world number one. He's just and he's like what 142 not, in strokes game putting this year. Yeah. Right, and I was I saw I saw a side by side of his putting stroke, um, in like 2018 and now, and like in 2018 it just looks so comfortable and just so, like I want to say feely, but like it just it just looked like he knew what he was doing, and now it looks very like mechanical and he's He's, not comfortable. Yeah, I would say that he's living in his head a little bit right now on those on those four to five footers, and I mean Greller, you know, especially, yeah. yeah, I mean missing one. Uh, as golfers, we all know this, like the instant you miss one of those, the next four or five that you have are going to be impossible, nearly impossible yeah. just because of your mindset. So I bet you any money you missed that first one and it kind of spiraled out, out, out from there because he just didn't, he didn't know how to bring it back. You know, the confidence was shattered at that point. So yeah, uh, you really know quick. Oh, oh, go go ahead. I was going to add one more comment to that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know it's getting bad when he's having Greller read every single one of his five foot putts. Like he yeah. he missed a couple, and he's like, I I needed a, I need Greller, and I just I think when he's hot, he just like he's confident. He steps up to it and just yeah, he just knocks it just, home. Just yeah, it home. yeah, he doesn't doesn't think about it too much. Um, I have another really quick little alternate birdie. Um, this was Kitayama's first win on the PGA Tour, Huge. not first win in his whole career, but first win on the PGA Tour. That was big for him. So. Um, I'm always a big fan of when, you know, somebody who's either hasn't been winning or hasn't won in the first time, it's always fun to watch them, them win. So that was great. Uh, that was a big time birdie yeah. for me too. Yeah. So. Definitely overdue. They're showing his, his other like second place finishes and it was to McElroy <laughs> and to um, Rom, Rom and, yep. and one other guy, I think it was JT. And it's just like, man, he's so close and it's good to see him yeah. break through, especially on a stage like this. And of course, yeah, like that was huge. He, I mean, he won a big dick event. That's a, that was yeah. a big dick win. That was, that was uh, a yeah. big dick win. Absolutely. With the tough field two, like that too. 
He hit two balls out of bounds, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, made tr- double <laughs> off one and triple off the other and still found a way to win. I mean, And then tripled nine today, to too. I, that's because he hit yeah. one out of bounds, exactly. On, oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah, that was one of the out of bounds, yeah. And mm-hmm. the stones and, like, the, like, confidence and just, like, the mental strength to, like, make a triple on nine and then still win the golf tournament and play great down the stretch. I mean, that is – God, that's so hard to do because, like, yeah, it feels like your world's caving in when you make that triple or make that huge mistake when you're in the lead – it's really easy to let the momentum and the snowball go like that and just lose it. And damn, hey, it goes to show. It. It. it goes to show that golf tournaments are truly four day journeys, man. Like yeah. anything can marathon. happen. You have nine holes, nine holes yeah. left. Even it's that's a lot of golf to play. Golf tournament doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday, and that was the most. <laughs> that was the purest <laughs> definition of that right there. Just textbook back nine. Uh, I'll I'll go with my birdies and bogeys. Um, I'll start with my birdies. Uh, wanted to touch on Victor Hovland. Um, so this is a tweet from Justin Ray. Uh, uh, and he tweeted this yesterday after Victor's Saturday round. Um, so today is the 31st PGA Tour round of the season for Victor Hovland. He shot par better in all 31 of them. So he's 31 rounds. Wow. 31 par better rounds. That's the longest streak to begin any PGA Tour season in the last 40 years. Previous mark was held by VJ Singh at 30. So unfortunately, the streak came to end at 30. He shot three over today, but what a hell of a stat! And I mean, par better on every round that you've played is that's just incredible. That's unbelievable. Really, that's unbelievable. The consistency, yeah. the level of play that requires uh, that was awesome. So unfortunately, it did not look end, like it today. I can tell you that. No, yeah, no. he did not play well today. But uh, sticking with Victor Hovland, I also wanted to comment. He had a hole in one this week. His fourth hole in one in like the last five years. Him and Corey Connors leading the leading the PGA Tour in most hole in ones. Um, after, the round, mm-hmm. after the round, after the round, Victor, you know the. It's weird when PGA Tour pros make hole in ones because it's like, do I buy everyone beer? Like no one really wants a beer, so what do I? What do you do? Kind of want to keep that spirit going. So he had like spiked Arnold Palmer's in the clubhouse. Arnold Palmer's like. Favorite drink. It may not been Spike Arnold Palmer's. I think it was though. Um, it was just like help yourself. Made a hole in one today. Please enjoy one of Mr. Palmer's favorite beverages. Uh, but that was awesome. <laughs> that was worthy of a birdie this week. That's definitely um, a big time birdie. My bogey this week. I don't know if you guys saw this. Let me uh, make sure I have the, the tweet up. So I'm gonna mispronounce his name. Kamayo Kamayo Johnson was disqualified mm. on Friday after the Friday round of the Arnold Palmer Bay Hill tournament for assigning an incorrect scorecard. Um, Oh, wow. Pretty much what happened is they were put on the clock and they were a little behind. So the two other people in the group, Nick Hardy and uh, Kyle Westmoreland went to the next tee to kind of keep it moving. And he had like a five, six footer for a double and he misses it taps in for seven. There's a, there's a score that follows every group that log scores. Um, so, you know, like when the PJ Tour interviewed the players, they were like, we didn't see the putt. Like we were getting ready for the next hole. Like we don't know. But the scorers and the people that were walking the event and they actually got some footage showing him miss the putt, make seven. He signed, he put a six on his scorecard, signed for it. Um, wow. I guess it seems kind of fishy. I don't want to say I know the full story. I wasn't there. It seems kind of fishy. But at the same time, there's so many cameras and so many eyeballs on the PJ Tour. I don't think cheating is like even possible like it's uh, like they, at least in a scorecard yeah yeah they said they so, went back and reviewed video and they saw yeah. him miss the putt um 
But yeah, yeah that's it. Like you said, there's so many cameras. Like this is such a dumb idea. It just. I mean, you can't. You can't. I don't, don't want to say he did it purposely. He may have screwed no, it up. No, no. Yeah, it's tough to believe that he was out there doing that on purpose. That's really hard yeah, to believe. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think it was just a mistake. But either way, the result is the same no matter what. So that's important. Do you guys like them. that? Even with all the cameras, the people logging a score on every hole. Do you think there's still a need to sign your scorecard? after the round maybe in college it makes sense but what do, you, what do you think about that in the tour i think it's a good question I, I don't think they need it but i think it is a nice part of golf that kind of it's because it's a self-governed game at the end of the day um yep. i think it's it's a nice thing to have even if it is just for posterity's sake yeah i would add to that um I think, sake, yeah. yeah i would add to that i think exactly what you said is why we you know should keep the the whole scorecard uh signing you know i mean it's it's a way of validating your round it's kind of it's like signing a contract you know you could have 15 people watching you you know read the contract but you have to sign it so that you can you know kind of put your name on it so i think that's it's important for for i think the real question is if you sign for the wrong score and it's lower in this case is a disqualification obviously if it's higher it's you get you just take the higher score but Mm -hmm. if you sign and it's lower, it's a disqual- instant disqualification. I think maybe look into that. I, I can't really – maybe a two-stroke two stroke penalty or something like that, but it, it's yeah, it's hard to say anything other than disqualification, but it's definitely something I think the tour should look into, or the USGA, RNA. I have, a, I have a story about that. I freaking signed for an incorrect scorecard uh, in a Wabash tournament in my junior year. We – um, I signed for a 73, but I actually shot 72. And I, tr- I don't know how, if anyone else does this, but in college golf and junior golf, the, the easiest way to check scores is you read off three holes at a time, like 444, 666, 555. That's what I had. And you check it with the person. Mm-hmm. And we did. The, I did that with my scoring partner. And he was like, yep, right. That's all right. 72. Except he missed. He marked me down for like four on a par three and I had a three in uh, – I'm one of the maddest I've ever been. I didn't get DQ'd because I signed for a higher score. And I didn't get any stroke penalty because I signed for a higher score than I shot. So, um, yeah. Yeah, fuck I mean, you dodged a bullet, dodged a bullet there. But, yeah, fuck that guy for <laughs> reading off. He's reading off. No, yeah, it's my right. fault. It's yeah, my yeah. fault. That looks At good. the end, it's my fault. Good. Like, I'm responsible for making sure yeah. my scorecard's right. But fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. but still, I was, after that, after that, you're going to start double-checking every time now. Oh, <laughs> that dude can kick rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Bogey of the week. Oh, yeah, that was my bogey. Yeah, that was all. That was it for me. That was it? Wow. And that that started a big conversation over there about uh. Yeah, that was a little bit of rules and, and, <laughs> and play and all that. Great stories though. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bolte, you wanna um? Yeah, you know, we're we're, we're talking about some putting drills. I think you know yep, season's so, coming up. So. Yeah. Well, I think. You know, we the, the the main theme for this podcast that we really wanted to come up with was, uh, you know, game improving uh, drills that we can do, and you know whether they're at, just at home based on the stuff that you got in your garage, or there's stuff that you know you can only find, you know, kind of on the course. No matter what, we wanted to kick it off with some drills, some stuff that we're going to be doing in order to better our game, but also things that you might find um, pretty pretty attractive to do to to better your game as well. Um, and I figured this was we figured this was a great time to to kick this off. Season hasn't started yet, so there's still a little bit of time to kind of be, you know, hitting some putts on your, um, you know, in your living room. So 
Um, I'll kick it off a little bit. I have four putting drills here. Uh, we might not get through them all, but I'll start with a, uh, this is a great one that I think you can do no matter where you are. Um, you only need four things. So you need three golf balls and your putter pretty much. Uh, and it's pretty simple. Put the putter on the ground, you know, put a golf ball on either side of your putter, uh, kind of on both ends so that it's, you know, kind of straddling your putter. Um, and then put a ball in the middle, kind of right where you would make contact uh, with like a normal putt. And the idea, the idea is to uh, have a pretty consistent stroke, enough so that you can dodge both of the balls that are on either side of your of your putter and hit the middle ball straight. So if you, you know, grab these three balls in your putter and you go out to your like living room, you know, carpet, put these balls down, you can practice hitting these putts all day if you really wanted to. The point with this drill too is, um, I've done this quite a bit. I'm a straight back, straight through putter. So, um, you know, my stroke is very linear and I really like this drill because it keeps me linear. The goal for me is to dodge both of those golf balls, but also still make good contact with the middle ball. Um, and I like this drill. I love this drill. I've done this a ton. Um, it just keeps my stroke consistent. And I really think that's a big thing that I'm going to be focusing on going into this, into this season. You know, if yeah. I, I, as I said, really quick, as I said in the last, uh, podcast. One of my goals is to make some more birdies. So you got to have a good putting stroke in order to make some more birdies. So I think this one's, this one's going to kind of team me up nicely. And, and I'd like to add on to that drill. I use, I use that drill. It's basically the gate drill, right? Great um, gate drill, yeah. yeah. I yep. use, I use this drill before every round, especially the tournament rounds um, with just two tees in the ground, three yep. footer to the hole straight putt. And what I like to do also is I'll go three, make three in a row with two hands make three in a row with one hand, make three in a row with the other one hand, and then mm -hmm. three in a row again with three hands. And it just, it, it helps with returning the club head, like you said, returning the club head back to the same spot where you started. So you're mm -hmm. making good contact, getting the ball rolling the right way. Um, and also, I like it because it just gets the feeling of the putter head back into your hands. Like, mm -hmm. right, sometimes the putter will feel too light or too heavy, and it just, yep. it just gets your hands feeling, being able to feel the club a little bit better. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, that's a great drill. So you, you make some you make some really great points there. Um, grabbing a couple golf balls or grabbing a couple tees too works when you're out there on the course, you know, and, and if you do have access to a hole and you're not standing in your living room, it is nice to be able to, you know, kind of do those those two threes. But yeah, that's one of the other things that I love about this is, you know, if you get an extra, you know, a couple minutes at the end of lunch break during the week, drop yeah. a couple balls in your room, you don't even need a hole, you know, just hit to a wall or something um, and mm -hmm. just focus on your stroke. So it's a great drill because you can do it literally anywhere um and at any yeah. time it's i think that's set up. it's the it's like the penultimate or like the best drill you can do for putting. yeah 100 percent yep. agree so i had to include it here um i can i can list off my next one here um really quick an alternate to the uh to the to the gate drill too the, the one that i just mentioned there is if you just have access to your putter another good one to do in order to get your your um your path right this really works well for me too. Cause I'm, like I said, I'm a straight back, straight through putter, but sometimes I'll go up against a wall uh, and I'll, I'll kind of rest the putter on the wall and then putt straight back, straight through. And it just, just helps me get the feel of the straight back, straight through. Um, if you're on the course, I do this sometimes too, when I'm not putting very well on the course is I'll go up to the fringe. And if you get a, a decently straight part of the fringe, you can notice it kind of creates a line there. And if you, you know, set up, uh, perpendicular to that, you can now practice your straight back, straight through. Uh, like I said, that's really only great for 
the straight back, straight through golfers, those, those face weighted putter uh, golfers, but at the same time, still a great drill. Um, and it might help, help a lot of people out. So, yeah. Uh, yep. And I would, I would like to add nice to that one about the, make sure you go to the fringe and don't use the flag stick. Yeah. If you use the flag stick, you're going to get disqualified. So yep. we're using yeah, definitely a be careful. during the round. I mean, definitely be <laughs> definitely. careful there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll go with one more here. The last one that I had here was the ladder drill. This is another one of my favorites, my all-time favorites. Another super easy one to set up. Not necessarily as moldable for any situation. Unfortunately, you kind of do need to be at a course because you need um, you know, a hole to aim at and you know a couple of distances. But um, it, the the idea behind this one is you can get you know two to ten to fifteen different tees and just mark them at a certain distance from the hole. Um, you know, sometimes I'll do like three feet, six feet, nine feet, um, or like I kind of measure it out with my putter and just go every putter length starting at, you know, two putters away from the hole or something like that. Um, super easy to set up. Just place a tee down at the location, drop a ball next to the tee, hit the putt, and then move back to the next location. Um, super, like I said, super easy. To but this one is, this one is amazing for me because not only is it super fun, so there's, there's fun ways you can do it. You can hit three balls from each location. If you miss one, you get a restart kind of deal or something like that. Um, there's a, it's very adaptable, but also, I am a huge proponent of, you know, practicing length on putts. I think putting your speed, um, it helps you line better. Um, it's just, there's so many benefits to this drill that, you know, I almost can't even count. So, uh, definitely wanted to include that one here. I thought that was, that's an amazing drill. I use that all the time when I'm going out there for the first, first round. The other thing is too, it's really great if you haven't played a course before, because it'll give you a nice, uh, nice estimate, nice feel for the speed too. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that drill. Absolutely Especially, love that drill. That, that was a huge one also for amateurs. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it like uh, a lot of amateurs struggle. They'll have a lot of three putts per round, like a lot of three putts in a round. Um, and that's the easiest spot to make up strokes is on the putt. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. You know, having good speed control, having a good lag putt, saving. I mean, that's the thing about it, you have three or four three putts and you, you cut those down to two putts because you worked on your speed control and you worked on getting inside that two, three foot circle on your, on your first putt is right. invaluable. That's four strokes right there. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between and I mean, a, a 90 and an 86. Right. Exactly. You know, and I mean, it's the calibration too. Once you do that drill at a couple different courses, you'll really feel the difference between the speed of the greens, you know? So, not only doing the drill once is really helpful, but doing the drill multiple times at you know different courses gives you, oh, this three-footer was very obviously way slower than the one that I hit last week or you know yesterday at the at a different course. So it gives you, it builds that kind of that feel inside um, yeah. for how, how far you need to hit those putts, how they're breaking, um, you know, different distances, and you feel confident from each each of those locations too. So definitely just also you know one of the penultimate <laughs> putting drills just absolutely amazing yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. i i mean and also we're talking about if we want to hold more putts might as well you know put it closer to the hole right exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you work on your maybe like work on your wedges or something work on your approach game but, yeah, yeah that would be ideal if you uh if you end up doing any of the drills that i just mentioned you're missing every single putt then Honestly, I'll just head straight to the range. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a little 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 putting segment there for everybody. Like oh, yeah. I like those that. Are those phenomenal are good drills. drills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I was going to do some uh, wedge drills. Um, there's a bunch, but narrowing it down to just a few stuff. But uh, one we did this winter in um, Cleveland when you can't really hit balls outside is we would go to a simulator and you pick nine or 10 different yardages between 60 and 120 yards and just random. So like 75, 110, 60, you know, 111, just like whatever the numbers are that's randomized and uh, just going through and switching yardages each time and not worrying about where the ball goes, but you're only worried about carry distance on the simulator. So it's really cool to have a simulator with this. Um, once we get into warm weather, I'll, I'll, I'll give some more wedge drills, but uh, not worrying about the direction of the ball, strictly carry, num carry distance and bouncing between numbers and constantly having to think about how far am I going to try to carry all these different numbers inside 120. Super, super valuable drill. Um, you can turn it into a competition if you have some buddies, um, you know, closest to the, whoever lands it closest to the number, uh, you know, wins kind of like match play. Um, but staying somewhat dialed with the wedges and having that feel of this goes 60, this goes 75, this goes 80, you know, that kind of feel of different wedge shots is just, is, is so important. So mm -hmm. I'll um, uh, really quick, I, I want to tack on there. The, the wedge game that you just mentioned is very similar to that ladder drill that you do on putting. The whole point is to just narrow in on the field, you know, going from, you know, a 111 yard shot to a 60 yard shot. There's your swing is going to look different. Your stance might even look different. Your alignment might look different. So there's a lot of things that change and that drill is really nice for really nailing home what changes between those, yeah. those shots. And then you, you grab that feel just like you can do in the pots. It's great. Yeah. And, and I think especially something to focus on during that wedge drill and dialing in distances is I, I would say there's two schools of thought into how to control distances with your wedges. And it's the, one of them is the clock where you have, you know, I take it, take it back a quarter of the way or to, I guess the lefty would be, Eight o'clock, right? Right. Three o'clock, right. eight o'clock, whatever the number is. You know, I'm back right now. <laughs> but taking it back, you know, one quarter, a one quarter swing goes this far, a half, mm -hmm. half, you know, I take it back to my shoulders and swing through. And every swing through is the same speed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Realistically, is you're you're putting the same amount of force with your body into it. So like, you know, right. half goes this far, three quarters, full swing. And then yep. building building that framework maybe even writing it down in a, in your book. Absolutely. To have mm -hmm. on the board. It really is definitely that. And then the school, the other school of thought, um, and this is tiger school of thought, not saying it's the right one. Obviously I think it, every golfer is different, but, and this is kind of the one I use um, is, is a lot more feel based of like, I kind of take it back the same distance every time, but it's how fast I swing down on it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to get used to. And it's, it's definitely a lot harder to use a lot less scientific so to speak yeah. it's a lot more field but i think kind of trying to pick one of those two methods and sticking with it is definitely important to yeah. be consistent i would say like novice like less higher handicap players i think the best way to start is do like how far if i take it back my hands back to my waist and swing through does that go how far do I, if i take it back to my shoulders and swing through does that go full swing how far does that go i think that's a way better way to start as an amateur. I think that's how we all started, you know, doing this wedge work. And then once you get better and you try to hit different wedge shots, higher wedge shots, lower wedge shots, you know, you're, you're more crafty with, with your wedge game. That's where you can start 
making it more of a feel. But um, yeah. at least my speaking from personal experience, experience, I learned how far how far to hit wedges based off like the clock. How far I'm taking, how far am I taking it back? So, mm-hmm. and that also and also the clock helps too because having to hit those little knockdown like half swing shots throws your body out of sync and mm-hmm. it teaches you how to keep your body in sync especially and then it yep. translates to you know the longer clubs and all that too yeah um and if we're going to want to hit all these wedges inside 120 we're probably going to want to hit the ball pretty far you know to give ourselves <clears> a lot of <throat> wedges inside of 120 so it's speed speed training yeah so some speed training drills that uh ben and i actually did today super fun mm-hmm. um so warm up with your driver and then get a baseline ball speed we're we're it's kind of similar with the wedge where I'm not worried about, again, it's a simulator. It's middle of winter still, or hopefully towards the end of winter in Cleveland. We're not worried about where the ball is going. We're only worried about um, ball speed. So this is a ball speed drill. You get a warm, you warm up, you get a baseline. Um, So let's say like today, my baseline was 175 ball speed. That was about the average uh, of what I was hitting. So once we get that average in, we then, uh, try to beat it and you have two swings to try to get a higher ball speed than what your baseline is um so first swing you don't get it let's say i get 174 next swing 178 then i then 178 becomes my new baseline and i have two i have two balls to try to beat 178 ball speed um Mm -hmm. it adds a little bit of pressure which i kind of like too like oh i gotta i gotta rip this one i gotta swing pretty hard it gets Mm -hmm. you it gets you more comfortable and better at swinging hard and finding the center of the club face because ball speed, it's so important about hitting the center of the club face. It's it's more important than swinging hard is hitting the center of the club face. So finding that balance, finding the center of the club face, swinging hard and getting those reps in like that is, is super beneficial. And like just through doing that, I uh, managed to get my ball speed up to like 182.7 today. I'm super, super pumped. That's the fastest I've ever I've ever. That was huge. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, love that drill. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I, I've never heard of that one. I want to, I'm going to start mm-hmm. using that one when I when I go to the range because oh, I yeah. uh, as 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 I mentioned in the last podcast, my uh, one of my season goals is getting my uh, my ball speed up to one one seventy. Your baseline is five faster than my goal. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. I was I was I was doing that drill too, and I you're also what, like baseline... you're also like a foot taller than me, so <laughs> that does help. Yeah, being six six doesn't. Does lend to a lot of a lot of benefits. With, ball, with swing speed and ball speed, I got a lot of time <laughs> to build up some speed. So, yeah, I was doing this drill too, and I started my baseline was like what one sixty five or something, one sixty three. Yeah, uh, and then really got like it up to yeah, I got it. I got up to one sixty eight point seven, yeah. uh, which was pretty good. But then I couldn't beat that baseline, unfortunately. So That's it's nice. uh it's nice. But the other thing that I really wanted to to add to that really quick is what I noticed today is, um. When I would hit a shot, so if I hit a bunch of shots at 168 uh, ball speed, then I would drop it back down to like 165, you know, 163, that range. I was way more confident on that shot because I knew how that shot was going to feel. Like I didn't feel like I was swinging out of my shoes, you know, like I have obviously I hit a great one when I hit at 168 uh, ball speed, but at the same time, it was, you know, how replicable was that and how applicable was that to the course. But now, when I get up there, I'm like, okay, I know I could swing 166, you know, ball speed and still hit this thing dead straight. So it's trying it kind to build that confidence. Like this is yeah, right. you build your mm-hmm. build it up so your max gets higher, your max ball mm-hmm. speed. Like that's you're not gonna hit that every time. Like obviously that's your max. 
but then hopefully by moving, continuing to get that higher, your baseline, that baseline start number that you start at keeps getting higher and higher and higher too. Yeah. And that, exactly. and then your, it's like your, your baseline, which used to be your max is now your gamer speed for, you know, I guess mm-hmm. is what we call it is like, that's your cruising, cruising number now. And that's, mm-hmm. you could, that's what you take out to the course and that's, you're yep. swinging at 90%, yep. you know, you're saying within yourself and it's, it's going, the ball's going farther now and everybody loves mm-hmm. a few extra yards off the tee. Everybody loves you actually nothing but bombs yeah well i mean i guess you know we have all these good drills and a lot to work on but you know you know you may have taken maybe throwing a few lessons in there you've got you know exponential growth right here but i think it's really important too to talk about how we take these drills or or these lessons and taking them out onto the course or just cementing what you've learned and making the most out of the stuff that that we've learned. And, um, I, def- I think I kind of came up with like three points, um, in maximizing, uh, a lesson or a drill. And it's, mm-hmm. and I think one of them more pertaining to a lesson is asking questions. And I think that's something that everybody can benefit from is taking is in a lesson is asking the coach, Hey, why are we doing this? Why are we making this change? Why, what are you seeing in my swing? That's wrong. How are we going to fix it? What are these drills to fix it? What, what is this drill trying to accomplish? And then once you, and then usually these drills are, you know, swing feels, right? They're trying to change the feel of what, what you're feeling in your swing. And it's really important too, once you finish that lesson is to come away with one to two, maybe three um, swing feels or swing thoughts that are clear and concise that you can use to be like, for me, I would use it in my pre-shot routine. So I'd come out of a lesson. My pre-shot routine might change a little bit, um, but it's in that pre-shot routine. You see, like, with Jordan Spieth, like, he's trying to do that feel of, like, dropping the club into the slot, right? And it, it looks really weird, but it's working for him. He's playing better. Um, but just dropping those, like, having those swing thoughts to get that feel right before you hit, and then once you step up to the ball, then just go. Have a clear mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But that also comes with like cementing. And it's like kind of like my, my third point is like cementing that practice immediately into the subconscious. So like having those, you can have those swing thoughts still, but like making that feeling something that you're not actively working on during the swing, right? It's just, it's coming naturally. It's in the subconscious of yep. fixing it. And um, I think that comes from after the lesson or at the end of the lesson or the drill is having normal swings, right? Swinging the club normally, um, just trying to have those feels and they may be conscious at first, but then working them subconsciously as you, as you're just swinging freely more and more. Yeah. Reps. Um, exactly. Reps. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all. It's that's, that's, that's what it is. Cementing a drill is you want to get after it right away. You want, you have your lesson, maybe hit balls for another half hour or even, even better. If you're in season going out and playing nine holes with that new swing, <clears throat> maybe hit a few extra range balls and then, Go out to the and play nine and just try and take it on the course. Don't worry about your score, but take it into the situational golf. And that, in my opinion, will sp- even speed up the cementing that new swing into the subconscious. If I could add a couple of points, that was those, those are great, great pieces of advice. First, um, I don't know how many times I've been in a lesson and some feel or some swing thought like just resonates with me. And I'm like, that makes sense. And that's what I'm doing wrong. And I, and I, I get it. Write it down. Every lesson I've ever taken, any tip I've gotten, and just write it down. What was that swing thought? What was that feel? 
what are the takeaways from the lesson? Write that down. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've left. I was just gonna say I've left many lessons, being like, oh shit, what did you just say? <laughs> you there's know, so like much, there's so much processing. You're trying to hit it. Yeah. You're trying to yeah. listen. There's just so much going on sometimes, and there's so mm-hmm. many different words being thrown at you that you, mm-hmm. you don't write it down. You might miss the main point. But I, I I will also say that, Mac, I did the same thing growing up, too, where I would have a lesson. I would, you know, write a few things down. And then if I'm just going out for a nice, fun round of nine or 18, I would try to work that into my pre-shot routine. So I'll be standing behind the ball and I'll be thinking about my my one thing. OK, you know, but, you know, sink back to the pocket when you're when you're in the back in your backswing or, you know, make sure you you really walk forward after you take a shot or just whatever it might be thinking about that in your pre-shot routine is a great practice too. Cause then when you get out there in the real course and you might not have that notebook on hand, you'll have it in your pre-shot routine. It'll, it'll remind you. Do you guys get this after a lesson, like immediately following a lesson, I play like shit. Like, like that, that first round, like you're trying to incorporate all the stuff you learn. I think being patient and sticking with like understanding that this is for the better of my golf game. And like, you may not see the results immediately and golf's, you know, mm-hmm. I think we can speak on this with golf. It's never immediate <laughs> the, the work you put in, but, uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah. It, it takes some time. I, every lesson I've ever got, I've played terrible, like the round after that, but you know, mm-hmm. it's always, do you guys feel that? Uh, Absolutely. I will. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I, 100%. I was going to add to that too, that I think it's really funny because if I focus a little bit too hard on my golf game, um, I'll play like shit. But if I focus on other people's golf game, like I'll be watching, you know, a, a PGA Tour event or something like that, or um, somebody plays super well and I was able to watch them play, somehow that makes me play better. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what it is. Maybe I just get excited to go play and play well. But watching somebody else play better is is big for me. So, you know, I'll, I'll take a lesson. I'll be like, oh, I, you know, my swing feels great right now. And I'll go out there and duck hook four in a row. You know, but if I watch, you know, Jordan Speed hit a, you know, a nice shot to like a couple inches, I'll go out there and do the same thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually the opposite. I, I don't know. I, I just must really? be different because I'm standing on the wrong side of the ball or something. But <laughs> um, I, uh, after a lesson, it, obviously it depends on the lesson. If I'm making some big changes, yeah, it'll take some time. But for the most part, you know, my lessons are very my minute changes. They're not even changes. They're more kind of swing thoughts. Um, and so usually it kind of fixes me up right away. But when I watch PGA tour and then try and go play, I play so bad. I, oh, I think wow. I just like get in my, I think I get in my own head. Like, just like, I'm like, Oh, I, I got to do this. Right. I, I try and mm-hmm. match them instead of just it's staying within myself. So inflated after like this. Oh yeah. Easy watching the PGA tour. Right. And then you go out there. It's, it's not easy. I, I think it's it, it, <laughs> I really think it makes me excited to go play and hit good shots. Yeah. And I think when I'm like, when I don't have it, it for some reason, I, I removes all expectations for me. But at the same time, I just get inspired to like play better golf. And I think my thought process gets a lot better. Swing gets a lot better. And I'm just, yeah. you know, my thought, but whatever I'm thinking works after I watch around the golf because I could do anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I, I I genuinely like through this whole podcast, I just realized how different I am of a golfer. Like, like comparatively, it's just like you know everybody has these different things, and I'm like, oh wait, well, um, yeah. So like, I'm a full field player. Um, grew up playing <laughs> hockey, so golf was just a side hobby, and then 
I just was kind of good at it. And so I kept going. Um, You're right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> hey, well, that's, but, I guess that's, that's even better for our podcast thing. Cause we're going to oh, get absolutely. a lot of different insights from, from yeah, different golfers. Just, yeah. You know, so. just, yeah. The more the merrier. And I think yeah, that's, what, that's really important. Yeah. What, what works for one sometimes does not work for many. So it, uh, so I guess the the last point, if I can make one last point on the just kind of swing lesson drill um, combo, when you're practicing, uh, there should be like two types of practices. One should be like mechanical golf swing where you're trying to make a fundamental change in your golf swing. And then one should just be like targeted, focused practice, not thinking mechanical, like taking what you have mm. right now mm. and play and, and, and practicing that way. So I think yeah, absolutely. I think you're saying like you're are you are you is is it a fair way to put it like swing maintenance versus swing changes like yeah, sometimes you're going to go to the range you're going to want to make a change but yeah. sometimes I go to the range and I'm like okay I just want to keep swinging how I'm swinging and yeah. keep my feel yeah, alive, yeah, yeah. well I would if I could if I could bounce off Ferrara of like it's I think what you're saying is like when you I think there's like when you go practice, when you go to the range to go hit balls to yes. practice, you're not going there to bang balls, obviously. You're going there. So, like, Focus. I think a, a great way to go practice is you go work on those mechanics at the, you know, you warm up, go work on the mechanics, and then that's only part of the, the game, right, or the practice. The other part is taking that practice and putting yourself in pressure situations, playing games with yourself, like trying to – create those take those mechanics and put them into your actual swing yeah. and then doing drills that like target like oh i'm trying to hit a five yard fade or i'm trying to hit the seven iron to the certain number right it's like five, so, out yeah. of, five out of nine fairways that i defined in the range yeah yeah like, using the mechanics that you worked on right just before that yeah. but you're, you're more exactly. trying to hit a shot you're more trying to like accomplish a goal in one type of practice and then another type mm -hmm. of practice trying to like change your golf swing so you're not really too worried about what the ball is doing as much you're more worried about like what your swing's doing and the other ones you're like all right what shot how am i gonna like mm. us like i'm not thinking about my mechanics it is they are what they are at this time how am i gonna make how am i gonna hit this shot or how am i gonna hit this green a couple of times how am i gonna hit mm. a couple of great drives down the middle of the fairway um yeah. you know how am it's i like, gonna hit the edges close uh it's, yeah, like, yeah. like 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 in basketball or like another sport like you're gonna you're gonna go out you're gonna go in baseball right you're gonna go you know hit hit off a tee in in baseball right you're gonna work on the fundamental fundamentals of your baseball swing yep. and mm -hmm. off a tee or you're gonna hit wiffle balls or something yep. but then you're gonna have live bp right yep. where you're you're working on it um like trying to accomplish a goal yeah mm -hmm. and like implementing mm -hmm. it yeah so yeah. i think i do i do that would definitely be helpful for me too. I, I, I need to do that. Cause there are some times when I'll go to the range and I'm just, I get in the zone almost and I'm just ripping balls yeah. and I'm like, well, hold on. Like, I don't really have a goal. Um, or like, I don't really have, you know, the, the mindset, right. Where I'm like, okay, I want to make a change with my swing here. This yeah. shot, I'm going to try to flip my wrist through a little bit faster or something like that versus, yeah. Oh, that one went, you know, five yards left of my, of the pin or something like that. So it, it really seems like it's based on your focus, but that's a good, that's a, focus that's a great point. Is, is key to not just going out and banging balls and like having a purpose with your, with your practices and your range sessions and your putting, like all of this, hopefully we can continue to give you guys more drills and more focused practice, but that's the key, man. 
end of the end of the day, just have a purpose. And I think it's hard because golf's a solo sport, and that's why you hear it the most coming out of people who golf is having focused practices. They don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's the that's the biggest takeaway of of this podcast. Look for sure. Not even just this yeah. episode. Have have a focused practice. <laughs> Honestly, right. we should have made that our, our tagline right there. I'm I'm loving it. That, that was great. <laughs> focus <laughs> practice. Focus makes me, practice. Yeah, it makes me want to go out there and hit some nice ones. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait for this warm weather. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> any any day now. Any day. Mm-hmm. It's taking its dear sweet time. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Any, any closing thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, short stories? Um, I'll mention some here. We got a pretty big PGA Tour event next week. Debatably, debatably one of my favorites of all time, only because I've been there twice. Uh, super fun. One and, uh, one and so a half. One and a half. I'm, and and for the for the listeners that don't know, I'm alluding to the Players Championship at TPC Sawgrass in Florida. Um, it's going to be an absolute banger. This is an awesome course. Seventeen. Just oh my god, I would I would give I would give my ability to play golf to just hit a shot on seventeen. <laughs> give up in front of the crowd. Would, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, get one shot. Yeah, <laughs> I get one shot. That's all I care about. I'm excited um, for it. Now we got Kurt. I, I guess Kurt was already in the field, but it'll be fun to watch him mm-hmm. beat again. He's, yeah, he's like he's, I don't he's think. I don't think there's a better finishing stretch on the PGA tour anywhere in the world than 16, 17 and 18 at the players like that. That's a pretty, when we a were pretty there, good state. When man. we were there, I stood up behind yeah. AT&T box. That is one of the scariest tee shots I've ever seen. It's, it's unbelievable. Ridiculous. The, like, you know what's it, crazy it, about TV that? He doesn't do it justice. We were, we were up in the air when we were standing behind that 18th tee and it still didn't look like there was a fairway out there. You're like, just looking at trees. I'm like, where am I supposed to hit this? It's so <laughs> it's water and then trees. <laughs> Can you imagine having like a one or two shot lead and having to hit that tee shot coming down the stretch? And then it's not even over. The approach oh, shot's God. just as scary. Yeah. yeah. The, you guys remember Justin Thomas when he won, mm-hmm. he hit like a, he was hitting all week this like low bullet draw and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was the coolest golf shot to hit. Um, just like a punch draw driver. And he and hit what happened? perfectly, like it's a dog leg left around the water uh-huh. and it perfectly followed dog leg almost <laughs> in the water. Like two feet, two feet from the water. Oh, yeah, like two, two. And feet. then, and then to cap it off, you know, he's like watching it. He's like all concerned. And then yeah. it finally stops, and he goes, oh, oh, and he club twirls. Yeah, club twirls <laughs> like, right at the end. A minute after the ball finished. <laughs> the announcers, I remember watching that happen. The announcers are like, okay, are we going to get a club club twirl here? And the ball ball's like a couple extra revolutions. The ball stops, and then he just club twirl. They're like, ah, there it was. There He's it was. good. He's good. What a what an awesome event. Uh, some call it the fifth major. Biggest prize money on the PJ Tour. Bigger bigger uh, prize pool than any of the majors. Uh, True. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be awesome. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. One of my favorites. They, uh, this is this is debatably one of my favorite times in the in the PGA Tour season. They kind of they make this big loop around uh, around Florida, and it's really fun. I just really think these these courses are just so entertaining to watch. Um, you can go out there, and this is another thing that I love about golf is you can go out there and watch for hours. Um, but you get to see the individual you know games that are going through it, so you get to watch everybody's different game and how how it 
how it fares on the golf course that they're currently playing, which is obvious. But um, at, at a course like TPC Sawgrass, it's so much fun to watch these guys play because it's courses in top tier condition. They're playing ideally really well, and you get to see their their some of these shots they hit in there. It's unbelievable. And it and that's the beauty of TPC Sawgrass too, and maybe not Bay Hill, but but especially TPC Sawgrass is it demands every shot in the bag. You got to hit a cut. Mm-hmm. You got to hit a. You got to hit a fade. You got to hit a draw. You got to hit a hook. You got to hit it low. You got to hit it high. You got to stop it. You got to let it go. It's just it. It and you could get four different types of shots. Like you have to hit a, a fade off the tee and then hit a draw into the green. And it's yeah. just it just demands so much and it's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. It's gonna be that's gonna be an awesome one. Um, the the season has been great to watch so far. This has been this has been awesome. Um, if you're just now tuning into the PJ Tour, this is a great time. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome, well, welcome from full swing. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Any any closing thoughts for our? No, I think we got it. Uh, yeah, we're good. I'd love to see uh, love to see another like close finish. Uh, we've had some like this with how close the Bay Hill finish was with all those guys packed to the leaderboard. I'd love to see that again, players. Absolutely. I really thought there was going to be a five-man playoff, to be totally honest. It was really looking like a five-man playoff. Uh, and what better hole to have a playoff on than 17? Than 17, dude, right? He <laughs> beat Sergio that, that year. He yeah. five under on six times around 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Incredible. Yeah, I can't wait. But, uh, yeah, and then I guess my closing thought is focused practice. Yeah, focused practice, everybody. Focused practice. Come on, All focus. Right. Get out there, focus. Cheers, Cheers boys. Sign off. Love it.